G3 Assistance through Virginia's community colleges is your pathway to a new future, helping those who qualify pay for school and train for the right career, right where you are, right now. Learn more at vccs.edu forward slash G3. Coming up, we introduce the next member of the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2020. ATB starts now. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am still Corey Graves. This is After the Bell, and I am joined by a cavalcade of characters, familiar faces, and some we have not seen in quite some time. Uh, but we did not come together by happenstance. We are here to drop a major announcement on the WWE Universe, that being the newest member of the WWE Hall of Fame Class of 2020. It is my honor and privilege to announce the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, will be joining the WWE Hall of Fame. Harry Smith, Natalia, and Tyson Kidd, congratulations to you and your family. I just got goosebumps saying that. Wow. I knew it Me all too. day. But this I got is, goosebumps you saying it. Yeah, this yeah is you surreal. did. surreal. So yeah. the floor is yours, guys. I mean, what does this mean? Well, thank you very much, Corey. And, you know, it's been long overdue, but I'm really excited and glad to be inducting my father into the 2020 Hall of Fame. I mean, it's something that's great not only for my family, but for the WWE Universe as well. And I'm so excited and jacked up about it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it feels like the time has never been better. And the fact that, you know, we look at just how much WWE has grown since the heyday of the British Bulldog. You look at even just English wrestling and so many people, not just English wrestlers, but so many people in our industry say that it was the British Bulldog who inspired them to want to get into WWE. And they look back on that match that Bretton Davey had at Wembley Stadium in 1992 and they say, that was the match that I watched. That was the match that inspired me to do this. And that's, I, I feel like that's truly what makes a Hall of Famer is how much they inspire people. And it, Davey's just, his his work and his legacy and his being the British Bulldog has just stood the test of time. And he's still so relevant to the culture of WWE today. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so awesome. I knew it was, um, of course, going to happen. It just was a matter of when. And I understand that the Hall of Fame's not really a race. It's not going anywhere. And they need we need a certain number of, of people and stars each year. You can't right. throw everybody in that first right. year. And then, so... It just was a matter of which year was going to be the best fit, obviously, and here we are in 2020. So I think it's I've, it's awesome, and it's a long time coming. So Natty, touching on what you mentioned to, to David's relevance to British wrestling, how much when Bulldog was in his heyday did it help the relevance of the the business in the UK? There was no bigger British wrestling star than Davy Boy Smith, and you think about again going back to that match, that iconic match. In 1992, SummerSlam, Wembley Stadium, it was, I mean, Davey was a rock star. They sold out Wembley Stadium faster than the Michael Jackson concert. And it, it just, it, it, I get goosebumps talking about it because Davey, you know, with Lennox Lewis walking him out to the ring and my Aunt Diana being involved in this beautiful story with my Uncle Brett, Davey was at the pinnacle of his career, but just... Really, I mean, I don't know if British wrestling was ever hotter than when the British Bulldog was at its, at its height in that time. I know that just, I mean, amongst us in the business and beyond, the British Bulldog is one of those recognizable names that you don't have to necessarily be a wrestling fan or a WWE right. fan. It was that larger than life time period. There's there's very few names you can just mention to someone off the street or, or someone goes, oh, I used to watch wrestling or I know that guy, the British Bulldog. It was like, I don't think... People realize the, the impact on society or as as wrestling fans and beyond that, that Bulldog truly had. Yeah, you know, and 
the amount of influence that my father had on the, you know, current and past WWE superstars like myself and uh, Wade Barrett and current ones like, you know, Finn Balor. I mean, he really influenced a lot of WWE superstars. And like you said, he was a household name. You know, you could mention the British Bulldog, not even be a wrestling fan. Like I've, you know, people have asked me just in passing and I've told them who my father was and they weren't necessarily wrestling fans, but they knew the association and and the name. I was thinking about this when I found out we were going to do this announcement. I had a, a little bit of a personal anecdote from when I was a little kid. My dad used to travel a lot, and he, back in the days of payphones, would stop at the airport and call me. Oh, yeah, I remember those days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I remember I, I was on the phone with him, and he goes, Matt, i got to hang up with you. And I said, oh, I'm okay. He goes, someone wants to use my phone. He said, it's the British Bulldog, so I'm going to let him. So I was like, oh, my God. So my dad hangs up, and my dad told me after the fact that he, he your, your dad smiled and signed an 8 by 10 for him, and I still have it at my parents' house to this day. Wow. That's like awesome. Where weird, was that at? Pittsburgh? I, it might have been Pittsburgh. I don't know where my dad was at the time. I was definitely growing up in Pittsburgh at the time, but it was wow. like one of those weird little things. So. That's so funny. And uh, funny, to your point about the British Bulldog being a, a household name and a name that you don't have to necessarily be a wrestling fan, um, when we were kids, maybe – 11 or 12, I'm with Teddy and we're getting into trouble with some kid in the neighborhood. And I remember like a fight is about to kind of start. And this, this other kid is said, oh, you guys don't want to fight with this guy. And he's talking about not Teddy. He's talking about the kid that we're getting into trouble with. And he said, uh, his uncle's the British Bulldog, which was so funny because he really was <laughs> right. Teddy's right. uncle. But, and this guy, this kid saying the British Bulldog's his uncle. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So obviously you guys know Bulldog in a whole different capacity than most of us do, Harry, you in particular. Mm. Um, What was it like when you were growing up? When did it finally register to you that your dad was the British Bulldog? It was just not dad. I can't exactly pinpoint it, but I mean, you know, whenever he would pick me up from school, you know, all the kids would kind of circle around and, and come around and want high fives and autographs. So I think at some certain point when I was in kindergarten or whenever about that point, that I realized, you know, how big of a star he was, like, you know, with other kids around the neighborhood or uh, or even when my dad gave everybody $5 on the soccer team because we won one time. <laughs> uh, uh, that's a true story, too. Um, and then uh, my soccer coach made a joke. He goes, well, I think your dad used to come to all your soccer games. <laughs> but unfortunately, you know, he wasn't... Uh, wasn't home all the time, but what's, what's something about Bulldog? I'll just go down the line that you guys have memories of or would know about him that maybe the, the, the masses don't know. Well, um, he had a incredibly great sense of humor and, you know, I think that that's something that people probably do know, but, um, going back to the soccer story, I remember I was gotten to kind of a tussle with this kid and, and, uh, soccer and afterwards, you know, we kind of exchanged some words and the referee, blah, blah, blah. And, Afterwards, Davey goes, oh, don't worry, Ari, you know, if that kid would have went after you, I would have pulled him off you. Like, <laughs> said, oh, no, Davey, I want to go after him. Classic. Oh, I don't know, Ari, he was pretty big. Like, he's classic. classic Davey line, he'd always, yeah. he'd always say that. He's, you, know, if, oh, if, you know, if you and this guy get into it, don't worry, I'll pull him off you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Davey, Davey was just like the fun uncle. He, you know, Brett was always a bit more serious. And, and when I look at, like, just fun, like Davey... You at any given time, Davey would be playing video games, yes. eating pizza. He he loved animals. He just was like the most fun to be around. He always wanted to do like pool parties, and we'd always go to the beach. And like I felt like a growing up, I felt truly the most sense of family when we were around you guys because we Harry and his sister Georgia and his mom and dad lived in the same kind of neighborhood as us when we were kids, and um, 
you know, my dad was a wrestler in WWE. Davey was a wrestler. So sometimes they were gone. But when they'd come home, Davey would always make everything feel like family. He'd always make sure we'd go to the beach. We'd always go out for dinners. We'd always do stuff together as a family that my dad didn't necessarily always do with us on our own. But Davey encouraged and really drove home that sense of family. And uh, Davey's, uh, something that people may not know is was probably one of the most, if not the most, like, generous person you'd ever meet. He'd j- truly would give you the shirt off his back. He would, you know, we'd go eat all the time. I I didn't have money, but I definitely never paid it for a single meal. Um, he flew me to England. Uh, yeah, I lived with him. I worked out with him on a daily basis for a while. We, he is, uh, like I said, the most generous person and never, never won, never was like, tallying up some kind of tab that I owed him at the end of all this. It just was it, but just it, generous and didn't think twice of it. Yeah, and just adding to that, I remember when TJ was a teenager, like he, he, he didn't have a dad growing up and never met his dad. And Davey really became like a father to TJ. And TJ, Davey took, Davey knew that TJ needed kind of a male role model in his life. And Davey took TJ under his wing and was like, pick, would pick TJ up from school and take him to the gym. I was just and- about to say, like, to Harry's point, it's funny because Harry's obviously a young kid when Davey's picking him up and dropping him off. My last few days of high school, uh, it was pretty cool that Davey's dropping me off at school in a in this new Jag that he just got <laughs> for the last couple of days. And, and taught you how to work out and taught you how to... No, yeah, taught like, me a lot of things. Just Dave, Davey was just the coolest. Like, he was so cool. Well, it's awesome that he's finally getting his just due. Obviously, the match SummerSlam 92 stands out to everybody. What are some personal favorites of yours match-wise? Well, not only that match, um, the European Championship match he had with Owen Hart from uh, Germany in 1997, that certainly comes to mind. And a lot of the great matches, you know, he had with Dynamite Kid against the Dream Team from WrestleMania 2. That was an amazing match. Um, I think a cool thing, Harry, about the European title match is that it was pre-recorded it was recorded like a couple days earlier in germany so davy's right. actually home right yeah with, so with like, the title we see, yeah so uh-huh. he, like harry's actually first time davy's seeing it back it's like when it's original airing harry's watching it with him oh that's so really like, cool that's very cool yeah that was a, which a is obviously memory. a rare thing raw's live so yeah you're not you can't watch the match with the person that's in it right as it's right. airing that's and wild. the uh, Canadian Stampede match from 1997. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. one of you know one of my favorite moments in wrestling. Just when the, all those guys made their entrances, I remember you know TJ, you would have remembered. You could have just cut the electricity with the knife. Her- Harry and I are sitting beside each other. We can't. We couldn't talk. You, we couldn't just hear. You couldn't hear each other for the whole match. Wow, that's that atmosphere. I, I, crazy. It, insane. And I remember just being, as a fan watching at that time. It was. It, we always use Bizarro World whenever we're in Canada. Yeah. That's you know that's, that's the <laughs> boss's line to explain it. But like that truly watch, I watched. Level. it back not that long ago, and it still holds up. Like the energy inside that. Yes. Sa- Saddle Dome. Right? Saddle Dome. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. And there was a match at Madison Square, I think it was MSG, um, in 88, Bulldogs versus Hart Foundation. And any time the Bulldogs would wrestle against the Hart Foundation, it was just magic. Yeah. And I remember, like, the last couple years of my dad's life, I w- would ask him a lot of questions about who his favorite wrestlers were and who he loved being in the ring with. And my oh, dad God. would always just say, Davey and Dynamite. Without hesitation. Like, he Bulldogs. just, he, he didn't have anybody else. It wasn't no. even like, well, I like wrestling Arn, or I like, it was just... Bulldogs. Bulldogs. Like, he just loved the Bulldogs. And we were watching, on my dad's birthday, we were all watching videos of my dad. And we were watching this Hart Family um, documentary. I think the 
the network had done it. It, it was called, what was it called? The Heart and Soul. Heart and Soul. And my dad, it was so funny listening to him talk, and he was talking about Davey, and he goes, it was after Davey had passed away, and my dad goes, I just can't believe Davey left me all by myself <laughs> yeah, in Tampa. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just because yeah. my dad just loved Davey so much. Yeah, I don't know if they've ever, they, they never had any kind of crosswords or anything ever, never. right? Never. That's awesome. It always stands out to me, his rivalry, rivalry with uh, Vader in WCW. I don't you know, think that gets enough attention. I, I watched that match yeah. a, a bunch, and I remember like even showing it to Finn and Bray and getting some ideas out of it. But because I agree with you, it doesn't get enough attention, and it is awesome. When, and when he held Vader up over in the suplex, it was like, "What? This is insane! This is absolutely yeah. nuts!" It was really oh cool. man, I as far as I know, Davy is the only person to have held Vader up upside down in a vertical suplex for a good what it was eight or it, nine it seconds. It felt like forever. Yeah, and I mean those two, they had some real chemistry, and I mean. They really hit each other hard in yeah, some of those matches. Like what we yeah. refer to now as the Vader, the, 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 yeah, when he the runs, body shot, whatever right. whatever that is that is just called the Vader. They they do one early and Vader hits Davey and Davey just bounces off the ropes and no sells it. And the crowd goes insane, yeah. insane. And it's little mo- it has that match has like a lot of cool little moments in it that, like you said, are just overlooked. Right. And there, uh, I think it was the bash the beach one or the slambery one I, I can't remember which one it was but vader came off the second with a splash and he, i think he just over rotated or something but he actually cracked his own two ribs on that oh my god and then uh but he continued on the match you can see him i think he actually swears and rolls over <laughs> and uh and davy said i don't know it wasn't my fault <laughs> another classic davy line it wasn't me, it was Owen. <laughs> oh, he's passing the heat. Yeah. I have a question for you. Did you know Matilda at all when you were kids? Yeah, geez. <laughs> I got a funny story. So I have a scar on the side of my nose here, a okay. small one. So I was a little baby. I was playing upstairs at BJ's gym. He had a uh, refrigerator. And, he, you know, he had those old uh, magnets with the, the letters. Yeah. Like the, and I was just playing with it, and I looked over at Matilda, and I, you're not supposed to, you know, make eye contact with dogs. Like if, sure. If... They're like Matilda that was used to attacking people in the ring. And she bit me right on the nose. And I don't really remember it because I was so young. But I, my dad flipped out on her. And, you know, she just, she was just doing what she knew, you know, attacking Slick and <laughs> Jimmy, you know, Hart. Jimmy Hart. And I think she attacked Slick so much. Slick, he, he Jimmy Hart, jump Harry over, Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah jump over the top rope when he broke his arm. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. That's insane. And, uh, we, you know, we had Winston years later. But at this point, we had moved to uh, Florida. So this was these were like the family dogs. Yeah, they would bring them home okay. for you know. Um, and poor Winston, he just he was so big and so fat, and his face his face was so pushed in that Davy was scared that he was going to start like uh, like overheat. You know, the yeah. dogs do. So he just grabbed him and he tossed him in the pool, <laughs> <laughs> and then he brought him out, and then he had kind of cooled off. He goes, "Well, I don't know what to do," you know. <laughs> <laughs> but Winston was a lot nicer than uh, Matilda, that's for sure. Oh, man, that's great. That's great. Well, it's obvious that Davey left a big-time impact on our business and you guys as performers as well, so I want to talk a little bit more about that. I want to save some stuff because you're, if you're going to do this induction speech, you've got to have a lot of, a lot of material <laughs> left, so yeah. I don't want to spoil it all right now. Um, so I actually want to start with you, Harry, because I haven't seen you in quite some time. You've obviously been out of the WWE universe, but you're staying very, very busy. Tell me a little bit about what you've been doing in, uh, in your time away. Yes, you know, so I've been uh, competing with Major League Wrestling, and uh, I've been also doing a lot of stuff prior to that with uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling and won some championship golds over there. And coming up, I'll be competing in the 2020 
All Japan Pro Wrestling Champion Carnival Tournament. And I'm really excited about that because this same tournament, it's a singles tournament, and it's a tournament that my dad competed in in 1993 after he left WWE and before he went to WCW, and one that Dynamite Kid competed in in 1991 as well. So there's there's history. The lineage. Yeah, there's a lot of lineage. Really I'm cool. really excited about that. And, you know, I've been embracing the Japanese culture, been learning the language and uh, cooking some of the food too. There you go. Yeah. So I've been having a blast over there, and uh, it's been awesome, and I've been keeping myself busy. I've uh, won some grappling championships, um, done a lot of MMA training, and, uh, you know, trying to be better than the best, period, right? <laughs> I have a question for all you guys. Obviously, the Hart family name in the United States and Canada is household. Obviously, they've all had success in Japan. Is is there still the same reverence in Japan for the Hart family as there is over on this side? Yes, I believe so. The wrestling community over in Japan is, they're very loyal and, you know, they're very respectful. And I've gotten a chance to become you know, very good friends with uh, Tiger Mask, the original oh, wow. Tiger Mask, Satoru Sayama. And he had a lot of great legendary matches with Dynamite Kid and right. my uncle Bret Hart as well. And these, a lot of these wrestlers, they certainly haven't forgotten about what my family had done for them in years prior. And they're always there to help out. And Sayama's always offered me his gym. And not only that, but the fans over in Japan, they always remember, you know, my dad and Dynamite Kid. And <laughs> a lot of them have stories or memories of, because when... They were over there. They weren't signing any autographs or anything. Yeah. But they said that they got a few uh, choice words from Dynamite whenever they'd ask for an <laughs> autograph. But they said my dad was a lot nicer. He would just tell them no. But Dynamite would tell them no with uh, four-letter words. Something else, yeah. yeah. yeah so. Oh, man. Uh, Natty, you obviously are, are the matriarch of the women's division right now in WWE. Um, what What keeps you going? I just feel like... I fought so hard to get to where we're at now, and I look back, and I started wrestling when I was so young. Like, I look, it was, I was actually talking to Beth Phoenix about this the other day. Like, I started in my late teens, and I feel like it took me so long to get to WWE. I didn't get hired in WWE until I was, like, 25 in the developmental program. And it took me, you know, about a year-ish to get up on the main roster. And then, you know, I just feel like, as we know, looking back on how the women just, let me cut to the chase. I was ready for the women's revolution before the women's revolution was ready for me. But I had to wait. I had to wait because it wasn't the right time. And finally, the women's revolution came. And it's funny because I remember it very clearly. When TJ broke his neck, that was like right when they were debuting Charlotte and Becky and Sasha. And I was like torn between, do I stay home with TJ and take care of him after he had this insane almost life ending career ending tragic injury or do I like go back to work and jump into everything that I've been fighting for for like my whole entire career so now that we're here where we're at right now with the women we have three divisions NXT you know Raw Smackdown I'm not about to walk away from everything that I fought for and I feel the, I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life and I feel like there's so much more I have left to do so that's why I'm still here very, very cool. Um, so you mentioned TJ's injury, which has led you down another career path. Maybe you didn't expect to. A lot of people don't realize that Tyson Kidd is now one of the backstage producers in WWE. Um, what's that transition been like for you? And and how long has it taken you to kind of grow into this new role? So the transition was fairly smooth, to be honest. It was smooth in terms of I like helping people kind of with their match. I like helping talent with matches 
prior to my injury. Um, obviously, then it becomes now as a producer, it's a, a lot more responsibility than just me as a talent. Maybe giving, so, yeah, right. exactly. What I didn't know, I didn't realize how fulfilling it actually could be. I didn't realize that, like, I was told by the boss that he said, now you'll kind of be like me, you will vicariously live through the talent. And I thought that was, those were just some words. Sure. And I've now come to realize that it's, it's very real. The, the fulfillment and the feeling is very, very real. When, when we lay something out and then the talent go out there, and I, and I love being a part of the creative process with the talent of putting, helping put things together and, and, and maybe putting things in different places. When they go out there and execute it, even better than the way I have it imagined in my head it is just such a, such a great feeling where like, I don't know if it's since my injury or, or it's my age or a combination of the two, but it's, it's very weird. I'm a, I'm a lot more emotional now. So like, if I see like what I will call like a beautiful match, if I watch it at home by myself, I'll have a hard time, like not having tears watching these matches. Like, uh, I wasn't the producer for Becky versus natty at SummerSlam, but uh i did have a hand in helping with some ideas mm-hmm. and as i was watching it in gorilla and there that footage is somewhere i'm watching in gorilla with seth and then the wwe cameras are there it's kind of funny seth and i are sitting there in gorilla watching this match and uh like i'm fighting like these tears because there's people there but when i'm watching it at home natty usually falls asleep like two minutes into watching anything <laughs> on the couch but anything i'm that is <laughs> I, i'm I, i'm just sitting there like crying to myself which like i i don't know if that's part of the injury or slash my age and and this like i said the the word the big word is going to be fulfillment of it feels really good to be a part of this and the, the two years i was away while i was injured and before i came back in this role i felt very isolated and very um like on an island all to myself and it 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 feels good to be back amongst my peers and and the talent and the other producers that helped me a lot while I was a talent. So it's it's cool to give back. Re- wrestling and WWE gave me a very good opportunity as a talent. I just want to give back and give everything that I can now that I physically can't can't do this anymore. Well, and there's a little lineup for TJ too. Like as a producer, this is this feels great to be able to say this. But the other week I was talking to. John Laurinaitis, who happens to be kind of like in charge of the producers. And I was saying to him, like, you know, just about how sometimes with TJ, it's like it's tricky because we're in a relationship together. But I really like when he helps me with my matches. And um, Fit Finley had like a shoulder surgery. And so he's been out and Fitz usually been with the girls. But there's been like since Fitz been gone, everybody's like, OK, we got to get our the girls have to get their ducks in a row. And it's funny because Johnny was like, gosh, so many people are coming up to me and like asking me about TJ being their producer. And it, so many talent come up to me being like, I want TJ. And like it's it's from like Seth to like Randy to Becky to myself to Naomi to Oscar. Like everybody wants to have TJ as their producer. And it makes me feel so good when talent come to me and say like, we got TJ because I just think that part of TJ's destiny, nobody ever wants to get hurt, but it's crazy to see how I feel like it was just part of his destiny to get to where he is right now. Like it was something that was meant to be for him. I, I feel that way once in a while where, where I look at myself, I, I miss competing from time to time, but it's like, would I have had the level of success that I have now if I was still just an in-ring talent and how long could I do it? And you always run the risk of yeah. being injured and not knowing where it comes. So when I step back at it now, I go, wow, I never expected this role but I kind of fell into it and just had no choice but to embrace it. It was a survival method, basically. And here I am now 
my own podcast. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're always branching out, and it's it's funny when talent are requesting me. It it's again, it feel it's just a different feeling. It feels better than when I was a talent and talent wanted to work with me mm-hmm. in the ring. I, and I don't know why that is because being in the ring was my greatest love, as I'm sure you know the exact same feeling. And and now maybe maybe it's a part of me that my mind has had to shut that off, and I'm. And I have kind of some closure with that. I don't, but once I start working with a talent for a certain amount of time, we just develop this relationship, especially if I have them repeatedly. And I'm not saying it because you're here, but like that summer when Carmella's champion, I keep having these Carmella matches. So we keep working together. And then like, I see like within three weeks now, like she's, trumping my ideas with better ideas because that's like that's what we started building we started we started building together and then even at the rumble just the way things worked out it was no slight to anybody but at one point she wasn't gonna do too much and then things kind of changed and and i suggested well hey hold on if we were gonna change things let's have carmel get a little spotlight then she came up and said hey thank you so much but i just build these rapport like i think in these in the meetings and when it comes to putting the match together I'm almost like the talent shield in terms of sure, like if they if they have certain ideas and in the meeting obviously talent's not in the meetings if they have a specific idea whether I like the idea or not it's my duty I feel like to at least present it yeah. as best I can. G3 Assistance through Virginia's community colleges is your pathway to a new future, helping those who qualify pay for school and train for the right career. Right where you are, right now. Get a skill. Get a job. Get ahead. You can learn more at vccs.edu forward slash G3. Harry, I'm curious for you. You're obviously staying busy traveling internationally. You've spent some time in WWE. How do you feel like your time in WWE has prepared you for Japan and vice versa? What have you learned and experienced since you've been gone that you feel like potentially you could bring back here or look forward to bringing back here someday? Well, you know, during my tenure in the uh, World Wrestling Entertainment, I think that the amount of traveling and that schedule really prepared me for, you know, for afterwards because i got to tell you, nothing is harder than the WWE travel schedule. So once I was able to get that out of the way, uh, even J- Japanese tours and stuff like that, they are hard, but WWE's travel no, yeah. you know. So that was the thing that uh, really prepared me. And I feel that since I've left, I've been able to, you know, I gotten, was able to train with uh, the great Billy Robinson for two years. And I really improved and... Uh, became quite dangerous on the mat as a as a competitor submission grappler, and then my time over in Japan, I've been able to uh, tangle and tussle with some pretty tough Japanese guys. So I think that, as they say, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And I've gotten to really experience a lot of great things, and there's a lot of great styles. And like I remember when we were together in Doncaster, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I got to do some work in Europe as well, and um, you know I think that. Oh, as time has, has passed, I've developed and matured more as a performer, and I've really f- kind of found myself 
just by going, you know, and, sure. and being Exploring. able to spend time at yeah. these different places and being able to learn from guys like Tiger Mask. He's taught me how to kick at his gym and working with Billy Robinson and Minoru Suzuki and all these, you know, great mentors I've had. So it's it's been a huge honor for myself, and I feel like I've really grown as a competitor. You know, if I were to come back to WWE, I think it would be a different uh, Harry Smith. Talking about all the influences you've had and TJ, how you get to give back to, to talent now. Natty, you're sort of notorious within the WWE locker room for being the, I hate to say the, the mother figure of, but the, the big sister of the women's division to where if the, the new girls come out from NXT or, or just come into the company, everyone sort of points them your direction. Or What's it like for you? Is there anything particular you look for when you see somebody new come through the doors? Or is there a glaring issue that you go, okay, we got to stop that? Yeah, there's a couple red flags and a couple things I really embrace. And I think for me, one of the reasons why I like to give back so much, not just in the ring, but like in life, is because so many people help me. So many people help me get to where I am today. TJ, Harry, Brett, my dad, Davey, um, just, just so many people gave to me. My uncles, Bruce and Ross, my, uh, one of our coaches, Tokyo Joe. They never, I never got charged a dime to train, you know, to learn how to wrestle. And so, so many people gave back to me. And I just think that life is all about paying it forward. And I have such a great life. I, I live in a beautiful home. I have an amazing husband. I have an amazing family. I have beautiful relationships. Like I just have everything that I want. And so I want other people to share that with me. I love, I love giving. And I loved, even with Lacey, our first match that we had, you know, that match we had in Saudi Arabia, like it meant so much to me to not only open a door that had never been opened before for women in Saudi Arabia, but to have Lacey get on the phone after her match, like with her daughter and just to be like, you know, feeling so much pride because her daughter was so like in awe of her. And I just love being able to give people those moments. It means more to me. That's why I get frustrated sometimes when if I see greediness or selfishness in our locker room, or if I see that girls don't want to give back, I get pissed off about it because there is more than enough to go around for everybody to have their moment in the sun. And we have new girls coming in like Shayna, you know, or Rhea, like it's, it's, you know, it's so important. Girls like Sarah Logan, where I'm like every single girl that's in WWE, WWE is here because they're special or they never would have been hired. So it's very important for all of us to work together to lift each other up because when you're getting your moment in the sun, you want everybody to help you. So for example, with Shayna coming in, like I feel, you know, I know it's a, you know, obviously in WWE land, we want to make her a killer and monster, this, that, and everything else. But like, I want Shayna to be a killer and a monster because I want to have really good matches with her. And in order for us to have really good matches, I need Shayna to mean something. So every girl needs to get their hands on deck and help her out because that's how, that's what makes the division go around. That makes the business go around. Yeah, I, I exactly. Agree. It's it's funny. I think it's, it gets lost. It's I mean, you guys obviously had the advantage of growing up in the business yep. and having that your family is the business. Um, so I think for a lot of people coming from the outside world, right, wrong or indifferent, they come in and they don't necessarily know that or they don't have that appreciation. Not that it can't be learned, but I, I think that's something that I think too often gets lost. And I'm sure, TJ, you, you probably deal with it on your end from time to time. Yeah, it definitely. I definitely deal with it on my end. And it's a matter of sometimes you just have to be really blunt to the talent. And sometimes sometimes you can try some Jedi mind tricks and kind of see which one works. I have a question for all, all three of you guys as far as growing up in the Hart family and the business. Natty, you in particular still wear the pink and black. Yeah. Um, there, all three of you at, at one time when you were doing the Hart Dynasty thing were pink and black. Um, 
was that a conscious decision you guys made? And was it a decision to get away from it? Because obviously, TJ, like when you went to, to NXT, you kind of started doing your own thing and kind of got away with that. You've gone on and, and adopted your, your father's name in ring over in Japan. Are these decisions you guys make or is it just kind of inherent? Or that's just how you identify? I mean, we definitely, when we were a team and we all wore the pink and black, it definitely was a group decision. And I, I mean, obviously the colors were, they're already there for us sure. in terms of that. And no one else on the roster had, was wearing pink, obviously, in terms of the, the male talent. Mm-hmm. So we knew we at least had that avenue. The first time I wore the pink trunks was like maybe a month before Harry joined me on ECW. And uh, I got mixed reviews. Uh, Regal and Big Show told me they hated it. Meanwhile, Edge, Edge and Christian told me they loved it and it was perfect and it was the way to go. So... Much like a lot of things in WWE, Trial it, and error. Right, it split right down <laughs> yeah. the middle, and uh, I appreciated both sides of both sides of the coin. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to wear this and see what happens. Worst case scenario is I I change it. It's not I'm not tattooing these pink trunks on sure. on me. I cannot wear them. <laughs> um, but I remember getting advice from from Undertaker, and he said, if I'm going to wear this pink when it's my time in that match, I I have to kick some ass because like. Coming out wearing pink, you're already a little bit behind that eight ball to the audience who doesn't know what it's representing. And and so he said, every night you have to bring it. And it, it was great advice. And, he, and I think he was I think he was right on to that point about being behind the eight ball. Do you guys ever feel like you're fighting an uphill battle or that the, the name has become a hindrance in any way in that there's an expectation that comes with being a member of the Hart family? Do you, do you feel like you have to work harder or sort of disprove a preconceived notion? Well, the best way how I could put it is that, you know, under pressure, a coal, you know, turns into a diamond. Sure. Right? So I enjoy the challenge and I embrace that challenge to be great like my father, but in a different, in a different way and find my own style. So I, yeah, like I said, I enjoy that challenge in that uphill battle. And I don't necessarily ever want to think that because of uh, my father's accolades and the great things he did in the professional wrestling business that I don't have to work as hard. Cause that's, that's not how, that's not how you become successful. And there's basically, there's no shortcuts in life. And if there were some, I would have found them already, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but no, it's, it's just, I enjoy that hard work and that's what makes me passionate is to be like my father, but also find myself you have to carve your as own well. Path, yeah. Sort of. And I think that's part of the, of the, the great myth is, I mean, I would, all three of us have had it said a million times, but that we got an opportunity because, because of the Hart family. And it's like, well, if you go do your history a little bit, you might see we got an opportunity in spite of some things that happened sure. in 1997 and beyond. Right. There was a time where, like, I couldn't get backstage at a WWE show, let alone a tryout. Yeah. So, like... I, at no at no stage did did Brett make a phone call for any of the three of yeah. us. Like I, I Natty and I, Harry was already under contract. Natty and I went to Deep South and did a full week trial, just like anybody else who right. would have got signed. And and uh, Natty got split open at that tryout. And and of the three of us sitting here, she was she was the one who got signed last. Actually, yeah, I that's was why not gonna get. That's really? why her. Yeah. That's why the fact she's still here and still going is yeah. al- almost like In laughable. Spite of yeah, that's yeah. Really I had a really hard time getting hired, and I um I won't get into too many details, but 
I, I think because of the conflict with Brett and the screw job and there was just so much tension with the family, I think it, it did make things a little tricky because whether anybody wants to believe it or not, and I'll just come around and say it, in the world, not just in wrestling, but in the world, there's politics. There's sure. there's nepotism, Absolutely. there's politics, there's, you know, friends that are friends with friends that are friends, you know, that yet it's, we didn't have that luxury because Brett had conflict with the company. And so it was really hard and I had to just basically get in their faces and not take no for an answer. So it's a great story because it makes me appreciate my career here so much more. Well, and speaking of friends, like Brett has asked me before, uh, when we started the Heart Dynasty, Brett asked me one time, he said, hey, like, uh, how's like, how's like Mike Kyoto with Harry? Then I was like, Mike Kyoto's awesome. He's like, okay, I wasn't sure just because like Davey's going back to Davey and his ribs. Davey rib Mike Kyoto and like shaved his eyebrows off before. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah. But like, but it shows like it shows you what kind of person Mike Kyoto is. He doesn't hold some kind of grudge. Right, right. I, don't, I don't think he held a grudge uh, towards Davey for it, let alone... Right his son, the, you yeah, know, but yeah. but like Brett said, you never know because he said Brett, Davey pulled so many ribs on people. Like, did they end up taking it the wrong way? So, like, again, just like these doors weren't magically opened. It was hard. We had to kick them down hard. I never even realized. I, I, I knew your story, but to actually hear it told that way, it's like, whoa, yeah, I guess that makes a lot of sense. I asked Mike Kyoto about it once. <laughs> I think we were overseas. He goes, oh, yeah. I goes, your dad got me good, kid. He got me good. <laughs> Real good that time. Uh, he's still one of my favorite. Yeah, he's awesome. And if you know him, he's a great person. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, I could sit here all day and talk about business with you. Luckily, I get to see TJ pretty much every yep. week, and we do basically just this. It's great to catch up with you, Harry, Natty, as well. Any last thoughts before we start this road to WrestleMania and the newest member of the Hall of Fame? Well, um, I'm certainly looking forward to it, and I'm certainly looking forward to uh, my cousin Natalia here picking out a nice suit for myself. I she's promise she's that. the fashion sense here <laughs> of the uh, Hart Dynasty, and I want to thank the WWE and Vince McMahon for inducting my father this year into the 2020 Hall of Fame. And I, I feel like, you know, maybe I'm crazy, but I, I just feel like my dad has a little part in Davey's induction this year because... My dad loved Davey so much, and Davey was truly his favorite person to be in the ring with. And I feel like, you know, I look back on old photos, and I see my dad and Davey together, and I just see this little mysterious twinkle, and they're like this little, you know, they're they're very mischievous, both of them. I know they're up in heaven. I know they're celebrating. I know they're toasting with a shot of Jack Daniels. And I just feel like, you know, my grandfather, Stu Hart, Owen Hart, my dad, um, Davey, I, think, I feel like they're all going to have the best seat in the house. We and and for our little world, it's one step closer to completion. We could sit here all day and talk about how much he deserves it. And like I said before, everything's just a timing issue. I've realized that being in WWE for this long, everything's a timing and an opportunity. And so it's it's good and it's great that it's happening now. And twenty twenty is like it's a cool year. So it sounds better than 2017. Sure. So so 2020 is a really cool year for Davey to go into the Hall of Fame. And I, I mean, he's one of the most deserving people to go into the Hall of Fame. So it's so exciting. And like I said, for for our little world, Natty just mentioned, like, Stu's in the Hall of Fame. Brett's in the Hall of Fame twice now. Uh, Jim's in the Hall of Fame. So now it's like one more, one step closer to completion. Very, very cool. Well, congratulations again to your entire family. Thank you. Thank you. Much deserved honor. I'm excited for the Hall of Fame. The Thursday before WrestleMania, uh, the 2020 WWE Hall of Fame induction ceremony on WWE Network. Thanks once again to Tyson Kidd, Natalia, and Harry Smith for joining me on this very special edition of ATB. And I leave you with this zen 
Family is not about blood. It's about who's willing to hold your hand when you need it the most. That's some Zen for you. I'm full of it. Thanks once again for you guys joining me. Before I let you guys go, where can everybody find you on social media? Yes, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DB Smith Jr. And you can follow me at Twitter and Instagram at Nat by Nature, N-A-T-B-Y Nature. On Twitter, I'm at TJ Wilson, but uh, on Instagram, I'm at TJ Wilson 711, which is my birthday. So I, I, the, TJ Wilson was already taken. So follow us at After the Bell WWE on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Use the hashtag After the Bell. Android users follow ATB on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, Google Podcasts, or whatever podcast app you choose to use. Subscribe to ATB. Throw me five stars on Apple Podcasts to help spread the word. Por favor. Follow me, should you so desire, at WWE Graves, and I will be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell.